0: Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with D-Crom. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you cats and kittens are. This is Sports Crunch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelow. Hope you all had a wonderful Easter Passover holiday weekend. And it's pretty much crunch time for all 32 NFL clubs with a 2023 draft less than three weeks away. As of right now, team decision makers are returning from Easter break to begin finalizing their draft boards. And because of that, we at SportsCrunch are making the second of eight stops on our annual NFL Draft Divisional Tour today in the NFC West. This division includes the team that arguably holds the keys to this draft right now in the Arizona Cardinals, the team trying to further capitalize on an historic trade theft, The Seahawks, a recent Super Bowl champion in transition, the Rams, and a team that's been on the doorstep of championship glory for several years trying to get over that final hump, the 49ers. And joining us today to give us his ideas on what these teams should do while they're on the clock is a very special guest across the pond in the U.K., Maddie Brown is one of the best, and I mean it sincerely, the best X's and O's film analysts in the business. He recently wrote for Underdog Fantasy, where he penned an article last September that correctly predicted the breakout season Geno Smith ended up having. He's also a big Seahawks fan and is the host of the Seahawks themed Seattle Overload podcast. Maddie, as I said before we started recording, it's been more than five years since I first saw you and your incredible football mind at work down at the Senior Bowl, and it is an absolute pleasure to finally welcome you on our program. How are you, my man?
1: Oh, thanks for having me, David. What an intro! Uh, yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a minute, but it's, it's good to reconnect. Senior Bowl was such fun. Uh, I need to make my way out there again, as we were saying, but um, I'm excited to talk about the NFC West. It's that time where we're all sort of in the we don't get paid for the teams but we're all sort mm-hmm. of scrambling to watch these later round prospects we've sort of familiarized ourselves with the the top guys and then it's like oh this guy's really good and then suddenly this guy gets moved up the draft boards because the hype gets into overload because everyone starts picking up on them and then you, you know you start questioning oh how does the team evaluate them but we're, we're about to find out like three weeks like end of the month it's going to be a good month and yeah, from my Seahawks perspective, very exciting. But the whole of the NFC West I think, every team is in a like I, I haven't looked at the other divisions in as much detail, but I think every team's got really interesting decisions
0: to make. They most certainly do, and we start with the Arizona Cardinals, who as of right now own the third overall pick of the draft, and they arguably have the worst roster in the entire National Football League. And thus are starting a rebuild under new general manager, Monty Austin and a new head coach, Don, Jonathan Gannon. And they are highly expected to trade the third overall pick to a quarterback needy team. And as a Daniel Jeremiah mentioned last week on his move the sticks podcast, two such teams rumored to be interested in trading up with Arizona are the Raiders at seven and the Tennessee Titans at 11. If you're Monty Austin do you only consider trading down to seven to put yourself in position to get a player like a Tyree Wilson or a Christian Gonzalez, both of whom the Cardinals reportedly love? Or do you trade down to 11 if the Titans give you essentially the same package as the Panthers gave the Bears?
1: This is the thing, like, because we're saying that they're like the kingmakers of the draft. This is crazy. So do they – so, like, trading down to 11 – I think given what we've said about their roster, how many holes that they have, like if you look at the names on their roster, it's actually terrifying. There's just no one. Um, <laughs> I mean, you you know, Buddha Baker is someone, you, you know, you can build around. Um, Isaiah Simmons, maybe he'll come good. It seemed like he improved last year. The offense, there's a lot of like, well, I mean, Marquis Brown, they made a big trade for Rondell Moore. Maybe he could be something. Uh, Kyler Murray obviously is, We'll see, like, at his best, he can be amazing. But there's just no names, and particularly in the trenches. So in that sense, a big trade down suits them, right? But what you what you could end up with is, with the way the draft is constructed, if we're saying that they need someone in the trenches, especially on the defensive line, well, if you're drop, dropping down to 11, chances are uh, Tyree Wilson's gone. Chances are Will Anderson's gone. There's the big Jalen Carter question, and then with with the way the draft is, are you really taking a Lucas Van Ness at eleven? Like, I'm, you know, I'm I. That's very very rich for me. Like, you know, who who do you take there? Like, uh, do you, do you just get go best player available still, and you're just happy with the haul? But on on that point, say that they you know wanted a smaller trade down, so they could still have a shot of one of these uh, good defensive linemen. Something that's been theorized as well is what if they traded down with Seattle at five? If Seattle wants Anthony Richardson, it's a short trade down. And and they still, and then they, and technically in theory, Seattle moving up would be for the quarterback. Technically then Arizona would still have the first non-quarterback pick of the draft. Uh, so that, that, that question mark of how far to trade down uh, versus, you know, you know, are you going to miss out on one of these these top guys? And with the way the draft is, the lack of kind of blue chip dudes, is is that the move to make? But then also, uh, you know, do you want to do that with a divisional rival? Yeah, uh, and and you know, also your team is is it actually worth just dropping down even further for more picks because your team is in a bad situation? You you could get future year assets as well, which is it you know much preferable but it's just a weird spot for Arizona, like just disastrous. Like uh, this should be the area where they're like Peking, where they've got this roster around Kyler Murray, you know, which is su- supporting him instead. They do not have that. And like his contract is huge. It's just very, very odd. And I do not envy, uh, Mon- Monty Ozen for, although like, I think these DMs are kind of sickos, right? Like they probably <laughs> find it fascinating. They're like, wow, this is a mess. How are we going to fix this? This is really fun. Um, <laughs> But, but, yeah, well, I mean, you asked me, you know what sh- what should they do, right? um, I think with the way the draft is i I think as- I prefer the smaller trade down, if anything j to- just just from getting like that kind of best player, like I mean, I guess you could get one of the corners, but there's so many corners in this draft that are really interesting to me that if, like from a uh the the way the draft is constructed perspective. I mean, as much as I like a Christian Gonzalez or like even a, a Devon Witherspoon or yep. or whatnot, um, I don't know. Like you know, th- there's names later on in the draft, like uh, even like an Eli Ricks, where from from a value perspective, I'm like, ah, we've really taken a corner top ten, you know, or even eleven, as you as you uh, theorized.
0: Oh, that is a very good point. Uh, Mel Kuyper Jr., uh, right before the Senior Bowl on a conference call, uh, told reporters that, at least in his opinion, quote, this is not a good draft. While I personally uh, disagree with that, per se, I don't think it's a bad draft, but as you said, uh, there are so few blue-chip players in this draft. Heck, there might only be two in uh, Will Anderson. Or Jalen Carter, and maybe there's a slight drop off after that to a Tyree Wilson, a Chris Gonzalez. But if the Cardinals trade down to eleven, there is an even bigger drop off after those two or uh or three prospects. If you want to include a Devon Witherspoon in there, so uh if if they really love Christian Gonzalez and Tyree Wilson, as has been reported, uh, trading down to seven is their only best bet to get one of them.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, John, let's talk about like what Jonathan Gannon is going to be doing on defense, like. I think what I've seen of Gonzalez, he's pretty scheme versatile. Like, he could do basically anything you want. Pretty smart. Um, He looks kind of small on tape, but he's not not tiny. He's just – like, you know, he he could do pretty much anything. Um, And he can press, which wasn't that a thing from the Super Bowl? Like, why is Jonathan Gannon not running any press coverage? And then, like, a Tyree Wilson – I mean, do they have PTSD from Steve Kimes' days of taking like the trait C <laughs> Athletic player who doesn't quite pan out uh to high? Possibly. But also a uh, Tyree Wilson in a Gannon defense, in the vision would be, okay, this guy can be the outside linebacker in the three four, win wide, uh in their bear package, five guys down at line of scrimmage, be the wide rusher dude. Mm, you don't really want to drop him into coverage there, but you could do occasionally, but you don't really want to. You kind of have to though, with that package. But then also in the in like the the even fronts, the nickel fronts, he can play down at the edges, like the the big the big edge and kind of solidify that as well. So he's definitely a fit. Uh and even like it'd be interesting, the thing with him is can you coach him up? Like he's still young, he's still growing into his body. Can you coach him up to play a bit more three tech? Because his three tech run reps, well, his three tech reps in general, the technique's just lacking. But you obviously have the traits there, it's just so obvious. And you know. Pressure percentage wise, he's like near the top, like um of the guys coming out this year, according to the SIS uh, Sports Info Solutions Draft Hub. Like he is, I think, a very very exciting sort of player. Um, I'd have him. Uh, uh, Jalen Carter's complicated, right? Like he's the best player in the draft for me. Mm-hmm. But after Jalen Carter, like I think I'd have Tyree Wilson as the the next best option.
0: Oh, a lot of NFL teams they actually agree with you. As uh, Daniel Jeremiah said before the Combine on a conference call, uh, some teams have Tyree Wilson as the number one edge on their board ahead of uh, Will Anderson. You're definitely on to something there, Matty. And another fascinating decision facing uh, the Cardinals uh, – uh, in this draft around the trade, is that currently there's a lot of buzz swirling around the Texans that they may pass on a quarterback with the second overall pick should the Carolina Panthers select Bryce Young, who has been the apple of the uh, Texans' eye for uh, God knows how long. And uh, right. if you know, that happens, him- if that happens, should the Cardinals wait until they're on the clock to trade the pick, or should they cut a deal a week or so before the draft?
1: Well, in theory, they they could get whatever they wanted for that pick, then couldn't they? Like, that yeah. it would be absolute chaos because suddenly all all these teams would be like, we can get the second quarterback of the draft, like, and maybe maybe Bryce Young suddenly is an an option for his teams you thought he never would be, you know? Because it's it's like presumed that, like, you know, I've heard CJ Stroud will go number one overall. I think everyone's probably heard similar murmurings around the league. Yeah. And then it's presumed that Bryce Young, but then but then, you know, the way the, the way the draft goes, the silly season of it all. Um yeah, I I mean, you could do that a week. Why can't you do that a week before the draft? Like <laughs> it's quite stressful trying to do something like that on draft night, right? Like with, yeah. especially with these massive trades. I think you have to do that um uh a bit earlier. But surely you would have so many teams interested. Like, um even the Colts, like Depending on how upset the Colts are about how things have panned out and how scared they are that they're not going to get the quarterback, like their guy. Like, are you telling me Jim Irsay not going to be like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Chris Ballard, you need to get a quarterback and we're going to give up a lot of uh, assets to do this. And then again, it's that kind of nice scenario for um for Arizona, like the, the tiny trade down, you know. Uh, yeah. But really you know in theory like the raiders for instance would give you a lot of picks and also um you know you trade down to 7 so
0: oh absolutely it's going to be very fascinating to see what the cardinals uh, do with that uh, number 3 overall pick they are indeed the king makers of this nfl draft as it currently stands and nearly 2 seasons removed from winning super bowl 56 the Rams find themselves in an entirely different place. The FM pick stays, they seem to be over as the Rams have 11 selections in this draft, including three in the top 100. Plus, the trade of Jalen Ramsey, as well as the release of Leonard Floyd and Bobby Wagner, essentially means that this roster is currently Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford, and a bunch of other guys. Do you think the Rams are entering a rebuild?
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they have to be. And now it's an interesting one because, like you mentioned, Cooper Karp, uh, Aaron Donald, th- those are two, like, blue-chip, like, future Hall of Fame players, obviously. Uh, one on the offense, one on the defense. Now, age-wise, like, Aaron Donald, you know, he he always considers hanging them up, right? Like, he, he's been having doubts about that. Like, we'll see how this offseason goes because it's going to be a bit bleak for him, I imagine. But those are, like, in theory, two pieces that you you can kind of build around. Uh, Stafford, that's an interesting one. Like, I, I don't know how his health is either. I know he was, he was managing stuff with that. And, you know, like last year did not go the way that they were thinking. So, like, what I'm saying by that is, like, that's someone you are thinking about replacing. And so they're kind of similar to the Arizona Cardinals in that, they in the draft that they, they they really kind of need to go best per available right the, the problem is they uh you know like what, what are we talking about here like what, <laughs> what are the what are the assets like um the the, the three in the top a hundred is nice but they're not going to be able to change their fortunes overnight um even though they have those two blue chip players uh because one they kind of need sneaky need of the quarterback um but but two, there's just so many holes that I think their their best bets is just to play it patient and just just let the let the draft come to them. Don't it's a complete uh 180 from what they've been in the past. Like they can't really pull off the massive move. I don't think they've just got to let it fall to them and be be patient this year. And this might be a tough uh season for them. But also what what Les needs done is you know he's he's found these kind of. Later, later in the draft, guys who have been really valuable role players around the the stars. Now, now it's interesting because they kind of need to draft a few more stars, and it's been a minute since you know it's been a while since Les Snead sort of had to go and uh, draft a, a star higher up in the in the draft. Um, so, yeah, they are entering a rebuild. Uh, the areas of need that I'd emphasize the most in the draft, if I was if I was Les Snead. I mean, it has to be the trenches again. Like, and maybe that's a philosophical thing with how I see them. But, like, the D line, other than Aaron Donald, like, uh, and, and, you know, I'm including outside linebackers in that, like, uh, Jonah Williams, uh, Marquis Copeland, um, Keir Thomas, and uh, Christian Roseboom, like,
0: what are those
1: guys? <laughs> uh, yeah, like, no, not to be uh, disrespectful, but yeah, that's exactly my reaction. Like, I have not seen much of these people at all. And, you know, maybe, maybe some, some of them pan out. Um, even, like, at cornerback, like, they're, you know, they have uh, Derion Kendrick and uh, Robert Rochelle. Now, those were kind of interesting guys coming out of the draft, and you're like, ah, oh, that's an interesting kind of, you know, late-round kind of pick-up but like, in terms of the talent they're used to like oof um so that's a lot of kind of defensive positions but then the, the like i said there's quite a lot of holes like you can make an argument for a wide receiver like uh ben skaronic being your you know uh, probably starting tight end if you think they're gonna run a load of 11 personnel uh alan robinson being uh disappointing last year <laughs> like <laughs> you i don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong approach here um if you look at the strengths of the draft like and how the draft will fall out, like they should be able to address that kind of uh, three, four interior defensive lineman um, sort of in the top hundred picks. Uh, You should be able to have a lot of solid options there. That's one of the strengths of the draft is that kind of uh, three, four type and then getting slightly bigger as well. Uh, You know, there's a number of like top 50 type of uh, or top 75 type of uh, three four outside linebackers like the light pass rushers like you know uh they're slightly too like lighter than you'd um want them to be but that's kind of how football's going but like will mcdonald the fourth you know mm-hmm. uh he lit up the senior bowl uh yep you know even even like a bjo gelari would fit yep they they just kind of need players like cornerback you know as i said that there's like quite a bit of depth like depth like a lot of options there yeah. um wide receivers probably not as um as glitzy but they should be able to pick up a role player especially as like a third receiver type and then tight end is like one of the strengths of the draft according you know i, I don't really like it from guys you can actually block but that's rare coming out of college but there's a number of intriguing kind of high weight speed the fluid in the open field um makes catches uh in in holes of coverage downfield guys so like it's not all doom and gloom for los angeles it's just It's just, again, like, if you love the draft, like, they're a real interesting team to watch because, you know, they don't have the top assets, but they they have, like, they have things they can do. Like, they they, you know, they have moves they can make.
0: Oh, they absolutely do. And as you said, there's a lot of possible directions for the Rams uh, to go in uh, in this draft. And now on to your Seattle Seahawks, who after pulling off the heist, and I mean it, the heist of the century with the Russell Wilson trade, your Seahawks are sitting very pretty in this draft with picks 5-20 in the first round and picks 37-52 and 52 in the second round. And the horrid play of Russell Wilson and the Broncos wasn't the only part of the heist. Geno Smith having that breakout season that you predicted only made it sweeter, I'm sure. However... Pete Carroll and John Schneider have made it crystal clear through Ward and Deed alike that drafting a quarterback is fully on the table with that fifth overall pick. And you and as you alluded to earlier, how would you feel if the Seahawks traded up a few spots with the Cardinals to select Anthony Richardson, who they reportedly like a lot? Well,
1: that would be super exciting because John Schneider has been rumored to have liked the games of a Patrick Mahomes, a Josh Allen. You know, what what uh sort of joins those quarterbacks together, it's the kind of their traitsy ability, their you know, maybe Josh Callum wasn't the most accurate. I don't even remember the knocks on Mahomes coming out. Like I think that basically people were terrified that it was the Big Twelve, so they were just like, Okay, this isn't real for ball. But it turns <laughs> out it does translate. Anyway, Schneider's got history with these types of quarterbacks and obviously Anthony Richardson is that uh in the way that, you know, he he can just effortlessly flicker the wrist downfield. He's traveling 60 yards very quickly a, a beautiful trajectory to catch the football. Um, okay, there's moments of inaccuracy, uh, actually, you know, quite a bit of inaccuracy. Uh, there's also receivers letting him down. Um, and there's the fact that he lights up the combine. He's like the most athletic quarterback ever, testing wise. And he, he, you know, he goes and does like handstands and acrobatics at his not even handstands, somersaults, uh, gymnastics, it is a uh, pro day, goes and hits <laughs> yeah. the ceiling with a throw, which, you know, very clever move that I get talking <laughs> about you. So if the Seahawks were like, hey, you know what is, We don't have Russell Wilson's camp to contend with because my understanding of that situation was they didn't really want, like, a genuine quarterback competition. And I don't think most uh, QB1s would, like... But my understanding was maybe in the past Seattle would have uh, drafted a quarterback a, a, a bit higher, but Russell Wilson wasn't really on board with that. Um, obviously, John Schneider comes from that uh, Green Bay tree where they they used to always take a quarterback. You know, um, Ron Wolf and and then uh, Ted Thompson, obviously who uh, Schneider worked under in Green Bay. But now, like he can he can kind of do what he's always wanted to do, I guess, if he really wants to. And so if they were to execute the mini trade-up, it's like, well, clearly Anthony Richardson is their guy. And and if that happens, that is super, how is that not exciting? Like, Gino Smith is 33 years old. He was excellent last year. His production dwindled slightly as the season went on. There were a lot of, you know, the quarterback always gets blamed for things. There were a lot of kind of extenuating circumstances uh, there. But like, you know, he is, he is going to probably uh, play at a similar level this year, I'd say. Like, there's no reason to think he won't. They just need to continue to build around him. That being said, like, if you look at his contract, if the Seahawks were to get in a situation where they take an Anthony Richardson, and what's nice about that, maybe he needs some development. Well, Geno Smith has said he's willing to uh, mentor uh, and compete with a a, uh, a rookie they they bring in, but also his contract. If say Anthony Richardson's looking like the guy after uh, twenty twenty three. His contract is pretty easy to get out of. Like there's zero guarantees after uh, twenty twenty three, which is crazy considering how well he played. Um, they, they can they can get rid of uh, or move on from Gino fairly easily. So he's bet he's sort of bet on himself again. And like you know, if this year goes well and and Seattle or maybe there's a slight restructure to add some more guarantees on. Um, of, but it's kind of like a a one-year deal that can turn into uh, different different avenues if 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 Gino plays for it, you know. But like in terms of driving a quarterback, it's perfect for that. So yeah, if they get if if the you know the the music comes on and then it it, it flashes that Seattle's traded up for the pick, you're like, oh my word, this is this is unbelievable. Um, very ex- it'll be very exciting, and there's no reason like that Gino can't still have a really good year in Seattle, maybe a really good two years, like. And then Anthony Richardson would be the guy, you know, like he he is, oh my word, he's born in 2002, so he's turning 21 in May, like, it's not like you're drafting a, a Hendon Hooker who's 25 years old already, and then you start wondering, well, this, hang on a second, this guy's going to be really old when he starts playing football in Seattle, it's like, no, this guy is like your developmental prospect, and Gino himself is the example of, okay, he needed to play football to, to develop, but like... Quarterback development can still happen. Uh, obviously, people talk about the Mahomes-Alex uh, Smith scenario as well. But, um, yeah, I, I think Gino would be an excellent uh, guy for to, to mentor people. And Seattle can do it if they want to. So if they do it, no reason not to be excited, Like especially with how the draft is. And, you know, there's potential that where Seattle is at five, Will Anderson Jr. is gone, and then it's like or high potential of that, and then it's like, do we go with the really traitsy guy Tyree Wilson, or do we go with you know Jalen Carter with, with all that entails off the field and the, the, the sort of spiraling of his pre-draft process, or do you just go, we don't really pick top five that often. There's four quarterbacks we're interested in. Anthony Richardson is ridiculously good. We have a shot at him. Let's just do that instead. Let's not have a headache um, about, oh, is, is this right?
0: Absolutely. I think the Seahawks are a perfect fit uh, for Anthony Richardson. He could sit a year or two uh, behind Gino and then uh, eventually uh, take the reins uh, uh, from there. And uh, again, I have absolutely nothing against Gino. He was one of the most inspiring stories, not just last season, but in all of uh, recent modern NFL history. Uh, but the Seahawks are probably asking themselves this question. OK, is Geno Smith a better quarterback than Russell Wilson now? Of course. But. Will Geno Smith ever be a better quarterback or as good a quarterback as Russell Wilson was in his prime? That is far from a slam dunk. And uh, they, uh, given Geno's age at 33, uh, and uh, the fact that, uh, as John Schneider said, franchise quarterbacks don't grow on trees, and we're probably not going to be picking the top five again for a long time. Um, if you really love a guy like Anthony Richardson, you have got to take a swing on him. You just have to.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And you know how GMs are as well. Like I'm, I'm sure that there's some regret in the background that they, you know, didn't trust their conviction and and pull the trigger on like a, you know, one one of these quarterbacks who ended up panning out. Like I, I really think, like I get the way the Seahawks are now with with how the franchise has dramatically changed, like the quarterback position, and just just um, you know, this new guys. I really get the sense that like Pete Carroll's been rejuvenated by this experience. Not that he was like uh not energetic, but like he, he just seems refreshed. <laughs> and I, I really think that John Schneider is too late. Like, it's kind of a, a new new birth for these guys to to kind of do it their way in a slight different way. So uh yeah, you should definitely uh consider like Seattle doing this. Like there there's no reason that it wouldn't. And and like like a Will Anderson, right, on, on the surface is like Okay, this guy's really high. SEC sack production. Like the Seahawks could always do with more pass rush. The Seahawks run a three-four. Will Anderson's a three-four outside linebacker. Daryl Taylor, their their pass rusher was uh, slightly disappointing last year. Um, they didn't trust him setting edge. They signed Bruce, thirty-five-year-old uh, Bruce Irvin off the street to to play. Uh, the the snaps that they didn't trust Daryl Taylor to like. Daryl Taylor was not what they, they were expecting him to be at the start of the year so Anderson just seems so obvious uh, other than the fact that Arizona might take him first you know but then like if if you watch him like he's not a typical Seahawks rusher in the like he is not super speedy he doesn't have a super get off he's kind of stiff in the hips he's almost like a, a power guy um, with with very good hand usage He's just not your classic Seahawks prototype. And he'll probably have a really good uh, NFL career. Like, he's got rare play strength. You know, as I said, he has that uh, sack production as well. Um, and, and, you know, and he'll probably continue to add size into his body, which will then accentuate his power already and accentuate the way he can uh, win against tackles off the edge. But, like, it's just, it's just slightly odd. Like, he's not like the... Like I don't think Seattle would be like, wow, this guy is a perfect fit for our defense. Like if you look at who they've they've um uh, looked to add at pass pressure, typically they go for the get off, the speed, and then the crazy bendy guys. And that's just not Will Anderson's game. Like he's a really good player and so he it's gonna be interesting to watch him in the league. And I I mean I'm not that big a fan of comps, but you can see stylistically how the way he'll win in the NFL is, is similar to like a Khalil Mack, right?
0: Oh, it most certainly is. And, uh, staying with the uh, Seahawks for a minute here, uh, even with, uh, 10 picks total uh, in this draft, uh, would you anticipate John Schneider trying to accumulate even more picks by say trading down from 20 because a John Schneider, his history shows he loves to trade down and get more uh, rolls of the dice, so to speak.
1: I think that, I think that would be a really good move. And it's often the way, right? Like, a. a The twenties, all the players you start going there, you're like, well, that player's really like interesting at twenty two, say, but then that player who went at twenty nine, like, are they actually much better than each other? No, they just kind of play different positions, and uh, or you know, there's obviously ledges, which is what the Seahawks talk about and uh, GMs talk about, of like, you don't want to be on the miss out on the ledge of a of a position, and so maybe. I I don't know how the, you know, it depends what happens obviously in the in the in the first pick, but like maybe they feel at twenty, oh, we're gonna get left out of the outside linebacker first ledge because if you look at the three four outside linebacker types, there aren't that many ones who I I think you would um, I think they'll go earlier than you expect. I think they get pushed up. Maybe in the past they'd be second third round types, but I think this year I think there isn't there isn't that, like, clear guy after, like, a Will Anderson. Um, there's obviously Tyree Wilson, but then after that, in terms of if we're talking guys who are, like, 250, 260 pounds and can drop into coverage and a bendy, there isn't that many of them. Like, B.J. Ojulari, for instance, is the one who's actually got size and length and and has the get-off as well. So maybe they're like, oh, we don't want to get left out. But in terms of the, the whole draft, yeah, if you can trade down from 20, because, like it's not, it's hardly representative, but the, the mock draft simulators, which, you know, spend time doing it like 4.00 AM uh, before, <laughs> before I go to bed. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you want to, you want to get that extra pick in the, in the kind of uh, top a hundred kind of thing, if you're lucky. Uh, and, and you're not missing out on like What are we talking about here? You could still get like a, I mean, you could still get a very good prospect uh Say, if you move down to 29, like from 20, like we're, we're talking about, like, I don't know, it's interesting. I, there seems way less of a consensus this year. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but it seems like there's way less of a consensus on who's like a, on who's going to go where in the first round. Now, maybe that's just because we're three weeks out and it will narrow down, but I think the lack of the blue chippers is really kind of impact. Who goes where? Like Darnell Wright, for instance, uh, his tape against uh, Will Anderson, who I've just spoke about, is unbelievable. Like he looks so good, and then some. Some people don't have him. Like he's a third round player. Like I'm like, really? This this guy, like you know, are there many right tackles better than this? Because this is like pretty crazy stuff. Uh, yeah, it's just things like that. It's it's interesting to me, but again, that's the reason to to trade down from twenty like if there is less consensus and it's sort of about you know you take your guys well then you're still gonna have some of your guys there I mean I feel like most you know most teams are gonna I don't think you'll be able to trade down that easily from twenty because I feel like most teams are going to uh, be be open to that the the one the one thing or reason not to would be like if they're like big on one of the wide receivers like like I think wide receiver, there's potentially quite a big ledge between the guys who actually have, like, slightly bigger size. So, like, what's – Zay Flowers is, like, 182 pounds, right? Right. And then there's guys who are, like, in the 170s, and it's like, well, do we want someone who's actually slight – and Seattle has valued in the past uh, slightly bigger receivers. Um, you know, do we want one of these top guys who's actually got the size compared to – do we want to take a kind of risk, so to speak, on slightly smaller-sized guys?
0: Yep. Tons of potential avenues for year Seahawks uh, in this strap. And now on to the 49ers who due to the uh, Christian McCaffrey trade will not be picking until the late third round. But that said, they have 11 total picks including three compensatory selections in the third round. In addition, the 49ers have struck gold pun intended a lot on day three, of these past six drafts. And some notable examples include Dre Greenlaw, DJ Jones, Talanoa Hufanga, Brock Purdy and obviously George Kittle. Who are some players likely to go on day three this year that you think are excellent fits for the 49ers?
1: Yeah, how about that, huh? Like <laughs> that credit to what um what John Lynch has done. Like that's like Hufunga, I did not see that coming. Like he was unbelievable last year. He he looks like the best, like, quarter safety in the league, the way he's disguising stuff. Uh, he plays so tight of things. That defense is nasty. Like the, the rest of the NFC West are terrified of it. Like it basically I know if Brock Purdy doesn't get hurt, like they, they have surely, surely they're winning the Super Bowl. Like I just think that their defense was just so, so stingy. Um and their offense was just ticking. Like Brock Purdy was kind of perfect. Um and they've got so much speed. And so they don't have like the hot, the the you know, as you said, they don't pick until the third round. There's a lot of comp picks, which is basically early fourth round picks. But like, that's all they kind of need. They just need to uh complement their current talent. Like they still have most of their main pieces. It's about adding like a uh, uh, you know, an intriguing interior defensive line kind of prospect, like a uh, I, I I don't know where the the NFL kind of would value like an actual nose tackle who tests poorly, but like a uh, like a a Siaki Aka, Ika, uh, who I I know has been mocked higher, but like he tested really poor and he is a nose tackle at the end of the day. Um, you could get a a Moro a Jomo out of Texas as a uh as a kind of you know like a a three tech kind of four eye player who was actually kind of disruptive against um against teams uh yeah it, it's just about finding kind of good role players to to plug in like they seem set at corner with uh Diamond uh, uh Lenoir and um Chavarius Ward as well like but j- just give that defense a bit more talent obviously the Alshahir walking in uh in free agency that they weren't able to pay him they they tend to Sam, but they run a lot of nickel anyway they just have such a clear idea of like what the defense, their defense needs. The main thing is obviously that they've lost D'Amico Dryans on that side of the ball. And so but how does it him look? Steve
0: with... Wilks, uh, I think is, was the perfect guy to replace him with though.
1: Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a um interesting fit, isn't it? And, and yeah. like the, the kind of players that they, they want, like they clearly haven't a good idea at, at, from the GM perspective, what that looks like. And so they just need to supplement and then on on the offensive side of the ball, I think I, they need to upgrade like right tackle. Um, like Colton McKivitts is is what he is at this point. Uh, that there, there's an, and and there's some interesting right tackles in the draft, and maybe they're there when they pick in the third round, I think they're in a, a great spot. Uh, I think their roster doesn't need anything more than a bit of a you know sprinkling of these these extra picks and. Really interesting how they managed to amass all these comp picks. Like, very impressive that as well. So, and, and then like the D line rotations. Like they've they've lost some of the the guys who are impressive, but again, I think they have a clear idea of like what works, what doesn't, and I think they'll find like a I don't know how high he rises, but like a Yar Yar Diaby who uh, out of Louisville. Like he's kind of got that. He just seems like a Fortunato type player. Like get off uh he's like two hundred and sixty pounds he's long. You can sort of imagine him playing fast and upfield on that defense when he sort of learns the ropes a bit uh he's quite raw but um you know th- th- these there's these names who like have tested well um and then like heading into i uh, it's sort of what I said to you like if we're talking about day three, like I don't actually know who is this year. It just seems so much more difficult to really know who is uh, aside from like obvious positional value, but like who actually is a day three player like um that That's interesting to me. But, like, what if they took another... <laughs> uh, for some reason, Sam Laporta really th- makes me think of <laughs> a, a 49ers type of player, like what Kyle Shanahan could do with him. Because I wasn't that impressed with the way that he uh, separates down the field, necessarily. Like, he kind of got stuck on guys. But coming out of the backfield, like... <laughs> and And, like, catching screens and, like, as a move dude... If he can learn a bit better blocking, like, that's really interesting. And you just know, like, Kyle Shanahan would find ways to to kind of get him the football uh, in, in bad situations for defenses. Yeah, the, the 49ers are really good. They they should probably stay really good. Like, there's no reason that they, they won't. Uh, it's pretty scary.
0: Oh, absolutely. And he is Matty Brown, ladies and gentlemen, the host of the Seattle Overload podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Matty F. Brown, Matty, it has been such a joy having you with us today. But before he lets you go, it's time to do some three-round mock drafts for all four NFC West teams. And we start with the Cardinals. Uh, there are no uh, trades allowed uh, in these mocks, but uh, it is your pick at three. Will Anderson's the top guy left on the board. Jalen is uh, still on the board, who you think is the best player uh, in this draft. Uh, but they also love Tyree Wilson and uh, Christian Gonzalez as well. Uh, what would you do here?
1: Oh, well this my seahawks bias is this is a problem here uh but i think they'll take will anderson right like let's 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 be real
0: yeah will anderson the pick here uh in this mock uh for the uh cardinals and now we're on the clock again at 35 overall uh do kincaid is uh the best player on the board and the cardinals need help literally everywhere Uh, Jordan Addison, Jameer Gibbs, uh, Emmanuel Forbes, Keely Ringo, Deontay Banks inexplicably still here, Uh, Darnell Washington, Darnell Wright inexplicably still here. Yeah, let's
1: take Darnell Wright. Let's give him Darnell Wright.
0: Absolutely. Uh, all rebuilds have to start up front. Uh, wouldn't it be surprised if Monty Ossinfort, who uh, cut his teeth under Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel, um, uh, double dips in the trenches in the first couple rounds uh, of this draft? Uh, right. Calvin uh, not...
1: Beecham's their right tackle at the moment. So...
0: Oh, totally. Calvin uh, Beecham, uh, as good as a guy he is off the field, uh, he's getting a little long in the tooth. You need a long term uh, replacement for him. And at uh, 67 overall, uh, with their first of two uh, third-round uh, selections, Hennon Hooker is the best player on the board. Although uh, he is an older prospect, uh, Kyler Murray, though uh, he has a pretty uncertain future ahead of him, given his play style and uh, him coming off the uh, torn ACL, could this be a good spot for uh, Hennan Hooker?
1: <laughs> no, let's not let's not do that. I think I think people will. Uh... We'll, we'll we'll get fired I think we don't want to get fired um <laughs> what about what about taking the corner what about uh Caillou Blue Kelly out of Stanford? Kind, long kind of guy ran pretty well tested all right like what? their cornerback group at the moment is um Antonio Hamilton and yeah. uh, Marco Wilson like
0: Yes. Although Deontay Banks and Clark Phillips, the third are inexplicably still. Oh, let's. Year. Oh,
1: sorry. Yeah. Let's take
0: Deontay Banks.
1: Yeah. What are we doing here? I, I didn't even <laughs> think they'd still be there.
0: Uh Yes. He won't be at 67 reality. He'll be a first round pick. But if this happens and the never say never in the NFL, uh, uh Deontay Banks would definitely be the pick here. Yeah. Uh, and uh, last but not least, 97 overall with one of the uh, compensatory selections. Uh, if you want a uh, third down uh, linebacker who could be your linebacker nickel situations, uh, DeMarvian Overshone uh, here. Uh, Travis Hodges-Tomlinson, uh, he may be a 5'7", and he'll likely be off a lot of teams' boards, but the guy can play nonetheless. Uh, what position are you thinking here, Maddie?
1: Oh, man. I-, I don't like this at all. This is why we... You know the Cardinals have to. They they have to trade down. Like <laughs> they
0: do. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> this is their last pick uh,
0: of this mock. Yes. Oh, of course. That's a three yes, round mock. It's a, yeah.
1: Sorry, I'm 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 getting too into it. Uh, can we scroll down slightly, please? I I don't know what because like with um uh, I like Trevarius, but um Treverius, but um like Buddha Baker, they've already kind of got interest in nickel options. Uh, I don't like the wide receivers here. That's that's a bit scary, isn't it? Yeah. What about what about tight ends? Let's
0: let's get him a tight end. Uh, tight ends. Uh, let's see. what We still have here at tight end. Uh, Davis Allen is the highest ranking tight end. Oh on the board. no!
1: Don't no. Not a tight ends. This this is terrifying. Yeah. I'm gonna lose my job. <laughs> w- what about center?
0: Interior offensive line. Steve Avila. Oh, Steve so Avila. Yes. Oh my God. In. If he falls this far, uh, it would be a miracle. But we're gonna give the Cardinals Steve Avila. For the final at pick me. of this uh, three-round mock, <laughs> I'm gonna keep my job. Amazing! Oh, you absolutely uh, are! <laughs> if, the, if this is how the draft turned out in your money house for
1: I, l- I love Steve Avia. Like the, he can, yeah. he's so like, obviously he's got left guard experience. But that's where he played last year. But yeah, his the, ability to switch to center as well, yeah. Uh he's just so smart and like the way he can cut people off, like athletic. Uh, that that's kind of like yeah. what you need, you know, especially if you. We talked about upgrading the trenches for the for these teams, yeah. and like that's a very exciting pick. Yes,
0: and now on to the Rams. Uh, Bijan Robinson may still be on the board of this mock, but I don't think he's going to be here in reality. But uh,
1: what I, what on earth is this? What, what all these players? Okay, let's we got to take the draft network,
0: The draft network mock draft machine is flawed. I'll let them know. <laughs> let's take Brian Branch, Brian Branch. Oh yes, if. Brian Branch uh, lasts uh, this far, and he could because the teams were underwhelmed by his athletic testing. But Brian Branch, don't second guess it. He's the best safety in this draft. If he's here at 37 and he's the top player on your board for the Rams, take him. Completely agree. Brian Absolutely. Branch. Absolutely. Like,
1: he's a guy who you can move around. Like, you know, because you, you don't know. They've got younger dudes. Like, they got Kobe Durant. who they, I think they took to play, like, wow. the kind of nickel spot, the star spot. But the the kind of defense that they run in in Los Angeles as well, like Branch could play in the star. He could play in the slot. That's what he did in Alabama. He can also play high safety, like because you know Jordan Fuller's like they're 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 like w- one of the few remaining vets there. But like,
0: yeah.
1: uh, Russ Yeast, at, at free safety, like that's a guy who you know you want to push. Um, you you need talent, right? Okay.
0: Yes, and now at seventy overall with their first and two third round picks. Jalen Hyatt's probably not gonna last this long, but if he does, and he could, because some teams probably view him as a one-trick pony kind of receiver, he would be yep. great value here.
1: Yeah, uh he he kind of scares me just from the offense he came from. Like, how real is that? Like, probably not. Um yeah. you know, the wide splits, like he's basically playing football on air. Then again, like what is uh Sean McVeigh good at? He gets his guys' free releases and Hyatt is a burner. Do they feel burned from their two-two uh, Atwell experiment? <laughs> Obviously, Hyatt is not like 150 pounds, but he is light, and you know he is similarly kind of fake in his production, in in, in the way that it was kind of schemed up. But yeah, le- le- well, what are the interior uh, offensive line options and and, and or oh, defensive line, actually?
0: Luke Whipler is the highest ranked interior offensive lineman on the board. He's uh, ideal for a zone uh, blocking system uh and interior uh defensive line uh Keanu Benton from Wisconsin oh my god he'd be a home run here yes
1: yes see you're on board let's do it
0: let's do it David Keanu Benton the pick for the Rams at 70 and last but not least 78 overall for the Rams the pick they got from the Dolphins uh in the uh J-Lid or Ramsey trade uh DJ Turner the corner from Michigan is uh the best player on the board uh, although Jack Campbell out of Iowa, if uh, you want a, a long-term Bobby Wagner replacement, if you're the Rams, uh, you could do far worse than Jack Campbell.
1: I think we've got to go with offense here. Otherwise, we might lose our jobs again.
0: <laughs> uh, Samuel Laporte is the highest uh, ranking o- o- offensive player on the board, not named Henan Hooker.
1: <clears> hmm. <throat> no, uh, uh, we've sort of run out of the wide receivers, haven't we? Yep. Okay, let, let's go with Sam LaPorta. I think that's someone McVay could use, like a move tight end type. Uh, I think that's an interesting kind of pick. He, he, bring back 12 personnel, him and Tyler Higbee. Uh,
0: absolutely. Uh, that would be a very, very good pick there for the uh, Rams. And now on to your Seattle Seahawks. And at five overall, Jalen Carter is the best player on the board at the Seahawks have been known for uh, taking uh, flyers on players uh, who have some character questions. And I think they are the first realistic landing spot for Jalen Carter in this draft, especially considering all the top three quarterbacks are gone here. Jalen Carter, the pick here.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Take the, take the risk, the character analysis that all the teams do we've we've done it and we we were okay with that.
0: (laughs) And Holy smokes. I would be shocked if this happens, but Devon Witherspoon is still on the board here. He would be like uh, uh, Tariq Woolard on one boundary, Devon Witherspoon on the other boundary. Good luck, NFC West passing offenses.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Devon I was watching him last night. Like, he's uh, he's very good in in off coverages. Like, for me, he'd... um. Like Seattle runs their fair share, like cover four, cover two, uh, these kind of middle field open coverages. But like he he's very versatile, I think, in, in the stuff he you can ask him to do. Uh, and he hits people, which is fun. Brings a bit of attitude to the defense that they've been missing.
0: And, oh, my God, this Raphael sheet is messed up because at 37 overall, Will Levis is still on the board. And if the Seahawks wanted to take a fly on him, I think the second round is the place to do it because a quarterback like Will Levis who has showed very questionable uh, situational awareness uh, on his uh, game film. Uh, the second round is the place for him in my uh, humble opinion, but how is Jackson Smith and Jigba still on the sport? I don't, I know he's not the same uh, type of uh, wide receiver as Tyler lock, but Tyler lock is getting long at the two and you already have your uh, speed receiver, and DK back You need your underneath guy, a Jackson Smith and Jigba.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, a six, five, seven seconds, three cone time, you you know, it's easy to take for granted. Uh, You know, I say this a lot when the subject of adding a third receiver comes up for Seattle. So easy to take for granted the health of Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and their production and their reliable uh, nature. And, you know, they obviously command their fair share of the targets, but let's add a genuine slot receiver for Gino. Let's add Smith and Jigba. Like this is a guy you can separate over the middle uh, he's so quick, you just, get, just really exciting kind of player. So, that is a great pick, I think.
0: Indeed. And now at 53 overall, their own uh, second round pick. Will Levis is still here if you want to take a role on him. Uh, Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama, though you already drafted Kenneth Walker to the third last year. Uh, Don't spend too high on running backs two years in a row. That, that's just what I would do personally. Uh, what are Zay Flowers, and Josh Downs doing on here uh, on the board? Uh, you got some good linebackers here uh, because Bobby Wagner may be back, but he's only on a one-year deal. And uh, Jordan Brooks, uh, uh, he hasn't had his fifth-year option picked up yet, so uh, what they do with him remains to uh, be seen. But uh, you D, you could use more help up front on defense, as uh, Pete Carroll and Josh ever talk about. But the inter- interior defensive line covered is pretty bare here. Uh, the best edges on the board are B.J. Ojolari and Felix out of D.K. Uzama, Isaiah Foskey out of Notre Dame. I'm not sure if he fits the Seahawks profile, but he's an underrated guy in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure Foskey is that kind of type, but I really do think B.J. Ojolari is that kind of guy. Like he is long, he has get off his moves are very bendy uh he just he's very seahawky in his profile and and you know you can never have too much pass rush but in Seattle's case i think that's especially true like i i he didn't test great but i, I believe he was like hurting with like a a, ham, a hamstring maybe was, like some soft tissue thing which he decided to to go through um what uh what options do we have on the interior offensive line
0: it's here of line. Seahawks uh, need a center, and uh, because we gave Steve Avila to the Cardinals, uh, Luke Whippler is going to be your only choice here by rule.
1: Let's go with B.J. Ojolari. Let's let's say uh, we don't care about the offensive line.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or you could get better value later on potentially. I I a... think
1: so. Like uh, yeah, you got Abraham uh,
0: Lucas in the third last year. You could wait till the third and take Luke Whipple there.
1: <laughs> right, and like the I don't think the NFL really values centers like that. Yeah, yeah. I think Ojala is the best value here. Like to me, he could be a first
0: rounder. Yep. Uh, there's definitely an argument for that. And last but not least in the third round at 84 overall for uh, the uh, Seattle Seahawks, if you want to double dip it edge, uh, Zach Harrison uh, from Ohio state, he's a a, a good uh, inside outside uh, kind of guy that Draymond Jones, who you just signed uh, might know a thing or two about from his Ohio state days uh, <laughs> uh, interior offensive line uh, options, uh, John Gates the second now, this guy is interesting because, uh, you know, Josh Norris, I'm sure, uh, who also writes for underdog fantasy, uh, Josh Norris, uh, he says the most important time to look for in the combine period is four point four seven for Officer lineman in the twenty hour shuttle. Guys who have run that or faster in the twenty hour shuttle, the vast majority of them have gone on to have long, uh, successful NFL careers. And you took such a prospect like that to the third out last year at Abraham Lucas. John Gaines is a similar prospect. He could be a new center.
1: Yeah, is oh, it feels early to take a, a like borderline developmental dude, but that is a very exciting option, right? Like. He he's big. He has long arms. Um, he that UCLA offensive line like they, they will not get shouted about because they're not like technically like the off uh you know the the SEC type, mm-hmm. but they're like a bunch of bullies. Like I see uh, you got Antonio uh, Antonio uh, Maffi down there as well. Um, I I mean what 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 are the options of right tackle because I think Gaines the second is a real option. Oh my word, Will Levis is falling. Something terrible's happened oh, to him. Oh, oh. Uh, offensive tackle's,
0: uh, oh, it's a bear cover. Jordan McFadden. Trevor yeah, Reed, I, th- <laughs> I think we got to go with John Gaines II. John Gaines II. It is for the Seahawks to wrap up their three-round mock draft. And now on to the San Francisco 49ers with the 99th uh, overall pick. Uh, the 49ers defense, uh, they love to collect their linebackers that they just lost to uh, Aziz Al-Shire. And if you want another covered specialist in that linebacking core, Diane Henley's still on the board here uh he's the
1: best he, uh, player left yeah he's a he's an interesting type of player right like yeah. that's that's a lot of defensive names there um i really liked him at the senior ball he was so good covering guys one on one uh my my issue with that fit would be like he's more kind of uh like a will in their system They they already have a will in Dre greenlaw he's also like kind of light um wow this is this is an odd one this is uh, uh, like yeah, all the offensive players at- have gone haven't they
0: uh, uh, pretty much. Uh, let's uh, just look at, uh, running backs, uh, Kenny McIntosh, if they want to add another guy to their, uh, backfield late third round or Roshan Johnson. Uh,
1: oh, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, let's do that. That, that is a great pick.
0: Absolutely. And the 49ers could definitely use more depth uh, to take the load off of, uh, Christian McCaffrey, who they paid a bundle for, obviously. And a uh, Roshan Johnson could be tremendous value here at the uh, 99th overall pick. Uh, for yeah, because
1: Elijah Mitchell is interesting, but they I think they need He's to have always like hurt. The,
0: yeah, absolutely. they run the ball
1: so often as well, like, and yeah. it's such a big part of their offense,
0: absolutely. And uh, now where should we go? Roshan Johnson, uh, the pick there. Uh, let's see, uh, cornerback Darius Russ from South Carolina. Uh, he could be a good pick here, uh, because this uh, year's quarter class is uh, so deep, you're going to get a good corner, um, uh, at this point or early day three. <laughs> Uh, K.J. Henry remains the best edge on the board. Or Andre Carter the second from Army if they want to take a little roll of the dice here. Uh, Dylan Horton from TCU. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah likes him a lot. Uh, interior defensive line. But oh, that cupboard is so bare right now. Interior offensive line. Uh, we already gave the Seahawks John Gaines, so we can't give him to the uh, 49ers. Um, offensive tackle. Uh, oh, that cupboard is so bare right wow, now. Wow, th-
1: this, is, this is rough. I don't it know what happened. Rough.
0: Um, uh, absolutely. Uh, it, it dried up quickly for the Niners. Uh, Diane Henley's still on the board. Uh, if you, I mean, to...
1: he he is a really good player. So maybe maybe we have to work a situation where Greenlaw plays a bit of Sam when they go to base, and then Henley's there kind of he can take a bit of the load off of these guys as a cover option, but he can play will when they're in in base defense as well. Yeah. I I think Henley's too good a. Uh, like coverage talent to to pass up on here. I think you have yeah. to take him.
0: I uh, yes, and uh, Henley could also be used on blitzes as well. And Steve Wilkes likes the blitz even more than uh, D'Amico Ryan. So uh... absolutely,
1: that's a good point. Like you know, with the edge rushers being off the board here, and and the interior defensive line looking bare as well, we mm-hmm. kind of need to find a way of getting a pass rush option. And I think Henley does bring a bit of that as well. Like you know, you walk him down the line of scrimmage, m- mug the front, or sugar the front, and you know, he, he definitely has some uh, tools that you can unlock.
0: Yep. And last but not least for the 49ers at one Oh three overall at this, uh, three round mock Roshan Johnson and, uh, Diane Henley, uh, what position do you think we should go here?
1: Oh, Hey, this, uh, the 49ers have been absolutely hosed here. Like I don't understand why <laughs> it, it, this is the realistic one, but like, <laughs> this is, this is like the, the yeah. one from hell. Um, yeah. do you know what, uh, uh, Treveus Hodges Tomlinson might might be an interesting pick here because I think Charvarius Ward um and I I think you know uh, uh, D- uh Lenoir or yep. Lenoir um I think yeah. you know they're kind of set at outside corner but their current nickel is Miles Hartfield a uh, uh, Hartfield and he, he's he was like a safety type he, he can kind of hit but I think adding like a real kind of Pure nickel kind of option there would would be interesting. What 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 does the safety thing look like? Like, how many are there? Any interesting safeties?
0: Uh, let's I, see who's available at safety. Brandon Joseph uh, from Notre Dame. Brandon over at Pittsburgh. Jartavius mm. Martin from Illinois. here.
1: yeah, they they he's clearly don't girl. like him that much. I I think we'll go with uh, Trez Hodges Tomlinson. Okay, he's small, but he is just so. Uh, Athletic, like he gives you a, a coverage option that I don't think they have on the roster. Um, so that I think is a very exciting kind of pick. Um he he was really good in the kind of short to intermediate um areas of the field. Uh and he and he can fly. Like he he and and he doesn't he's not afraid to tackle, he's just small. Like, so it just gives you another option. Um, yeah, Exc- exciting stuff. I, I David, I think. NFC West teams—they got to hire us. I think we—I think we knocked out of the pot.
0: <laughs> I think so as well, Maddie. And he is Maddie Brown, ladies and gentlemen, host of the Seattle Overload podcast. Follow him and his work on Twitter at Maddie F Brown. Maddie, thank you so much once again for joining us. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back in just a few days with a look at the linebacker class with our good friend Bill Carroll of Team NBS Media. So stay tuned. Also, be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram and now TikTok at SportsCrunch with Dcrom And remember, that's crunch with a K. For Maddie Brown, this is David Cromwell saying so long and whatever you do, please choose love, please choose compassion, please choose selflessness, and please choose empathy, which are the core characteristics of the best teammates and teams in all sports. Until next time, cats, kittens, stay cool.